Would you take your Bibles now and turn, please, to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. And as you are turning in your Bibles here in the Rosewood Church of the Nazarene Sanctuary, I want to also welcome our radio listeners and to everyone here in the sanctuary and to our radio listeners, I want to ask you to join me in expressing very deep appreciation to Reverend Dr. Lisa Autar because she has been in charge of our church during my sabbatical. She has led this congregation beautifully. She has preached fantastic sermons, as she always does. And I want to give God thanks and praise. Pastor Lisa, would you just come? Amen. Amen. Yes, indeed. Amen. Amen. And radio listeners, radio listeners, for the most part, you've been listening to Dr. Lisa Autar's messages in my absence. And uh, thank you, congregation. You may be seated. And I want to thank you, Pastor Lisa, for your outstanding ministry. I also want to thank our youth minister, Pastor Lucas, and our children's pastor, uh, Bria McIntosh, for her extra ministry in my absence. And other lay leaders here in our church. Amen. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you. Thank you for our church family here at Rosewood Church of the Nazarene. Thank you for Reverend Dr. Lisa Autar for the beautiful way in which she has led our church in my absence, has ministered so beautifully and effectively, and has been such a great blessing. Thank you, O oh God, for the additional support and, and ministry of our youth minister and children's pastor and, and other lay leaders who have been making a wonderful contribution to the life and ministry of Rosewood Church of the Nazarene. And now, Lord, open up our minds and hearts to your truth as we turn to your holy Bible. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Our theme today is Christmas is a time to believe that your not yets can become a reality. There is a message outline in your bulletin if you would like to pull it out for those of you who want to take some notes and, uh, and use that if you wish. Let's read from Luke chapter 1, verse 5, where it says, when Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife, Elizabeth, was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous, righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive and they were both very old. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. 
And while the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. And Zechariah said to the angel, How can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. And then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. And meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. When he finally came out, he couldn't speak to them. Then they realized from his gestures and his silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. And when Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. Soon afterward, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. And later we'll read of John's birth. Well, my dear friends, I want to invite you now to focus with me on this first truth as we reflect upon the Scripture. And the first truth today is this. You and I live with some not-yets. Isn't that true? We live with some not-yets. In the Bible story, which we just read, verse 7 says, Zechariah and Elizabeth had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. Now, if Zechariah and Elizabeth had been asked the question, do you have children? If, if they were asked on a day when they still had faith and hope that one day they would have a child, they would have said, not yet, not yet. We still have faith, we still have hope, but no, no, not yet, we don't have a child. And the truth is, most of us live with a variety of not yets, don't we? For example, we have several wonderful couples in our church family who have been married and have been trying to have a child for several years. And if we were to ask the question of them, do you have children, they would answer, not yet, Pastor. Not yet. 
And for those of you who as yet have not been able to have a child, I want you to know, I want you to know that, that during my sabbatical time, especially when I was away at the monastery several hours south of Monterey in California, I want you to know that throughout those 15 days, many times, Many times I prayed for those of you who have been wanting a child and trying to have a child for many years. I prayed for you. I prayed for you. And I'm going to continue to pray for you. And I want you to remember, I want you to remember that Christmas is a time when God has a way of fulfilling our not yets. Our not yets. Amen? Amen. Don't give up. Keep praying, keep doing what you should be doing. Keep doing what you should be doing, my dear friends. You know, and I, I've been eager to pray for you even more when, when, when I see my little, my little three-year-old grandson, Yanni, and what a joy he brings to my wife and I. And when I see our little uh, eight- or nine-month-old granddaughter, I see that little sweetheart of a girl. And, and, and I'm inspired to pray for those of you amongst us who are still eager to have a child of your own, persevere, persevere, would you? We experience the not yets of life in a variety of ways. There's some of you, younger and older, older people who are single, and the truth is you have been looking for a husband, just like a few years ago, Hannah was looking for a husband, although she's not gonna broadcast it, <laughs> she was silently looking in a nice way. But you know, there are those of you who have been looking for a husband or wife for quite a few years. And if someone was to say to you, are you married? You would say, of course, well, not yet. Not yet. Now, as we touch on this subject, please remember, please remember there is nothing wrong with being single. Someone said amen. <laughs> in fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 8 and 9, the Apostle Paul says, So I say to those of you who aren't married and to widows, it's better to stay unmarried just as I am. But if, but if they can't control themselves, he says, they should go ahead and marry. He says, it's better to marry than to burn with lust. That's the end of verse 9. Now, the truth is, the truth is, it is better to, uh, to be single than to be married to the wrong man or the wrong woman. Amen? Oh, wow. Some of you really, really are into that <laughs> notation. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Still, there are many of you who are wonderful men, and marvelous women who have been looking for Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright, and as yet you haven't found him or her. Remember, Christmas is a time to believe that you're not yet, that you're not yet can become a reality. By the way, 
If any of you happen to see Reverend Dr. Tina Patamber today, just say to her, she's the minister of our, of our uh, Solid Rock Community Church of the Nazarene. But if you happen to see her today, say, Pastor Tina, someone told us to tell you, Christmas is a time to what? To believe that our not yets can become a reality. Amen? Others of you, others of you have been struggling with a particular health problem. And if someone said to you, are you healed? You would say, not yet. Then in the case of others, if we asked, have you found a job? Some of you might say, not yet. Has your prodigal son or prodigal daughter straightened out their life? Some of you would say, well, praise God, yes, he has, or yes, she has. But others of you would have to say, not yet. Uh, have you conquered your alcoholism, drug addiction, a gambling addiction, or some other addiction? And the good news is some of you would say, hallelujah, hallelujah, the Lord has helped me to conquer that addiction. Praise the Lord. But the reality also is some of you would say, not yet. Not yet. I haven't conquered. I haven't conquered my alcoholism or drug addiction or gambling addiction, whatever it might be. Amen? Amen? Well, we might also ask, or how about if we ask the question, have you made, have you made a one-year pledge to our Rosewood Church Mortgage fund, how about this one? Now, 86 people would say, yes, I have. Yes, I have, Pastor. I have made a pledge to our Rosewood Church mortgage fund, and those uh, 86 pledges total $8,653 per month. So we're thankful for those 86 pledges, but the truth, the truth is, Many of you would have to say, if we ask the question, have you made a pledge? Many of you would have to say, what? Not yet. Not yet. In September and uh, the beginning of October, Pastor Lisa Autar preached some and uh, preached excellent, fantastic messages on the theme of, of journey to victory during which she also challenged our congregation to be victorious in reaching, reaching our mortgage fund goal of 21000 per month. I mean, I listened to those sermons and I thought, oh man, after fantastic sermons like that, these pledges are, are, are going to be 100000 per month. 100000 per month. And I thought, oh, it's not quite there yet. <laughs> what, what happened? I don't know. I don't know. But she preached fantastic sermons, inspiring and challenging. Let me ask the question, why? Some might ask, why, why has our mortgage fund pledge goal been 21,000 per month? All right, why has it been 21,000 per month? And here's the answer. Experience has taught us that about 75% of what is pledged or what is promised actually comes in. 75% of 21,000 is 15,750, which uh, up to about a year ago is approximately 
what we paid on our church mortgage per month. Now, last year, praise God, last year we paid off one of the smaller mortgages so that in reality now our current church mortgage payment per month is, is uh, as you see it there, is just over $14,000, $14,102 per month, okay? Now, someone might ask, why didn't we reduce our monthly pledge goal of 21000 to a smaller amount since our mortgage payment per month went down a little bit? Why didn't we reduce it? And the answer is this. Knowing that about 75% of pledges is what actually comes in, we still need pledges of 19500 per month in order to have enough funds per month to pay our monthly church mortgage. Now someone else might ask, well, why don't we just pay, pay the mortgage from regular tithes, the regular giving? And the answer is simple. We don't have enough tithes. Not yet, Not yet says my wife. Excellent, Cindy. And the reality, the reality is that almost, almost every church in North America needs giving beyond the regular tithe to pay a substantial mortgage such as we have or such as any growing church has. It's just a fact of life. Now, to those of you who are guests here today, I, I want you to know that what I'm talking about here especially applies to our regular congregation, all right? So guests, guests, I, I hope you, you'll still listen, but, uh, but I want you to know I'm especially talking to our regular Rosewood Church family. If we ask the question, if we ask the question, have you made a one-year pledge to our mortgage fund for the time period of October 2017 to, to September 2018, the truth is a lot of you would say, Cindy, not yet. Not yet. Now, here's, here's the good news. Here's the good news. A little later in this message, and you can start to be thinking about it if you haven't already been thinking about it, all right? A little later in this message, we will give you an opportunity to turn your not yet into Lord Jesus here is my best pledge to help carry the burden of paying our church's monthly mortgage. Amen? For the past six weeks, when I saw that our mortgage pledges were only $8,653 per month, for the past six weeks, I have prayed almost every day. I've tried to pray every day, but I'm just being honest with you. It's possible I forgot someday. But I have, I have tried to pray almost every day, every day about our pledge total such that today we would reach 16000 per month. That's what I've been praying for for the last six weeks, that today we will reach 16000 per month. Can we do it? Can we do it? Of course we can. Yes, and in addition to those of you who have already submitted your pledges, all it takes, all it takes is 80 more people to pledge an average of $100 per month, and we will surpass 16,000 per month easily. 
Now, the truth is, the truth is, some of you spend more than $100 per month on Tim Hortons donuts and coffee, right? Or Starbucks coffee shop. Yeah, some of you do, I know, I know. Nothing wrong with that. Now, there are many ways. There are many ways of surpassing the $16,000 per month amount. Hear me now on this. I want to challenge. I want to challenge someone to pledge. I want to challenge someone to pledge more than $1,100 per month. I want to challenge someone or some family to pledge more than $1,100 per month. For the past six years, my wife Cindy and I have pledged each year $1,100 per month towards our mortgage pledges. Now, I believe, I believe there is someone here who with the Lord's help can pledge more than that $1,100 per month. Is it you? Is it you? Is it you? Is it you? Is it someone up in the balcony? The Lord knows who you are. And he will help you do it. Because I know the Lord has helped us to do it over these years. Year after year. Also, I want to challenge, I want to challenge three others of you to pledge $500 per month. Thank you to those of you who have already pledged significantly. But I want to challenge three others of you, three other families, to pledge $500 per month. Will you? With God's help, you can do it. And I want to challenge you, and, and I don't, I, I'm not ashamed to challenge you because I have discovered over the years the blessings of being generous with God's work. I've discovered the blessings of being generous with God's work. That's all I can say. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7 and 8 says this. In fact, it's on the screen. Why don't you read it out loud with me in unison together? You must each decide in your heart to how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Isn't that beautiful? Think about what your pledge will be today. And those of you who have already submitted your pledge card, think about whether you should increase your pledge. Some of you should, some of you shouldn't. Amen? Now, like I said, I've been praying about this for at least six weeks. So God's Spirit must be working. God's Spirit has been working with many of us, many of you, throughout these weeks. Let's go to another important truth, the second main truth on your outline, and it is this. Sometimes the not-yets are totally out of your control. The first part of verse 7 says, they had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive. The reality is that Elizabeth had no control over getting pregnant. It says Elizabeth was unable to conceive. And there are times, there are times when you and I have to also say, the not yet is out of my control. 
Nine years ago when I had a cancerous growth inside of me the size of a woman's fist, the situation was literally totally out of my control. If someone had said, Pastor Nick, are are you healthy? I would have had to say, not yet. Not yet. But my wife and I prayed. My kids prayed. Hundreds of you prayed for me. Many outside of our church prayed for me. And December the 4th, December the 4th marks nine, nine years since my surgery to remove the cancer. And praise God, I've been free of the cancer since then. Amen? Sometimes the not yet's are totally out of our control, but God takes control. Just over a year ago, we discovered that our 29-year-old son, Jeremy, had a very serious, life-threatening heart problem. If you had asked Jeremy if he was totally healthy, he would have had to say, not yet, not yet. And the situation was totally out of his control and out of our control. But through your prayers and through our Lord, our Lord directed our son Jeremy to a heart specialist at Toronto General Hospital who had personally, who had personally invented the complex heart procedure about 25 years ago, which Jeremy needed to have done. And Jeremy had the major operation, the major open heart surgery, which he so badly needed to have. He had the operation on November the 2nd, 2016. And on November the 2nd of this year, during my sabbatical, I was staying at the monastery in California for those 15 days. The phone that they have at the monastery is to only be used by guests for brief emergency purposes, and so I couldn't use their phone to call Jeremy and to to say, son, it's one year, one year since your surgery, praise God. I wasn't able to phone him from from the monastery, and and, uh, the monastery is in a remote place, and so I couldn't use my cell phone because there was no reception there. However... I got into my car, I'd rented a car when I flew into San Francisco. I got into the the car and I drove about one and a half hours to the Monterey Carmel area where I knew the cell phone would work. I phoned up Jeremy, I phoned him up, and I said, son, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, Jeremy. It's a year since your major heart operation. I said, son, you made it through the operation. You have healed up nicely. You saw your daughter Everly be born on February 14th. You celebrated your mother's graduation from university. I said to him, you got... You got back to leading worship at our Ajax Connect Church of the Nazarene. I said, you led worship at our Riverview Nazarene Camp Family Services this summer. You had a lovely vacation in August with Kirby, your baby, and the rest of the family. I said, you are back to teaching full-time at your school, and you are once again playing some of your favorite sports. 
I said, Jeremy, each day you're enjoying your time with your wife and your baby girl. Praise the Lord, I said. And that which seemed out of control a year ago got under control through the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit working in wonderful ways. Sometimes the not yets are totally out of our control. Uh, what do you do, by the way? What do you do when the not yets are out of control? Well, here's what you do. You pray and you commit the need into the hands of God. Amen? Psalm 37, verse 5 says, Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. And Psalm 37, verse 7 says, Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Question. Which not yet situation do you need to commit to the Lord today? Commit that situation into the hands of the Lord. And now go with me to our third beautiful truth, which is the essence of this message. Christmas is a time to believe that your not yets can become a reality. This is what happened with, with Zechariah and Elizabeth. It was just, it happened just a little before the birth of our Lord Jesus. Uh, look at Luke chapter 1, verse, verse 11 where it says, while Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son, and you are to name him John. And then if you just look a little bit later in the chapter, verse 57, Here's what it says, verse 57. When it was time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son, and when her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her, everyone rejoiced with her. Everyone rejoiced. And when the baby was eight days old, they all came for the circumcision ceremony. They wanted to name him Zechariah after his father. But Elizabeth said, no, his name is John. My friends, this John was the one who became John the Baptist. And he did, as Luke 1, verse 17 says, he will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. About 30 Christmases later, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 29, says this. It says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. God not only gave Zechariah and Elizabeth a baby, but he gave them a very special baby, a child who would one day introduce Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Your sins and mine. Wow. What about you? 
Do you believe that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away your sins? If the answer is yes, then praise God. If the answer to the question, do you believe that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away your sins, if your answer is not yet, not yet, then sometime during this upcoming Christmas season, preferably today, urgently today, may you make the decision to move from saying, not yet. I move from saying, not yet. I haven't yet made that decision to put my faith and trust in Jesus. Move from the not yet to Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for taking away my sins when you died on the cross of Calvary. Jesus, I trust you as my Savior and Lord. My friends, we are all living with a variety of not yets in our lives. Christmas is a time to believe that your not yets can become a reality.